0: Isn't it crazy that sometimes the world does revolve around wrestling?
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves money in the bank is one week from tomorrow streaming live wwe on peacock so much to get to we're going to talk all things money in the bank we're going to take a look at SummerSlam and the return of the beast oh and by the way a hall of fame guest jeff jarrett joins the show but i can't do it alone we have fished him back out from the upside down he is the doug funny to my roger klotz the voice of nxt 2.0 Vic Joseph, Vic, welcome back. I I have to admit, I tried my hardest to give your job to
2: Sam Roberts, but Mm. Sam could not hold the weight. Well, I appreciate that. Reunited, and it feels so good, and I finally did it. You and I have had conversations about it. I still have the delicious taste of spam on the inside of my mouth because it just continues to seep through my taste buds. I can't get enough of it.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
1: We are a week from Money in the Bank tomorrow, the event to kick off the summer. We've got huge developments, quite literally regarding SummerSlam. We've got a big time guest, a Hall of Fame guest today. Just start it the right way, Vic. Give me what I want.
2: Graves, you are one of the smartest men that I know.
1: Okay, we can edit the first part out. As long as smartest man that you know. Cross is going to be your social clip capacity, this week? you damn right is going to be my social <laughs> clip. We got a lot to get to. I'm all yeah. fired up, Vic. I'm well-rested. I was exhausted. I, I amassed a grand total of seven hours of sleep over the last two days. So last night I made up for it. I slept for 13 hours. I woke up and ate a cinnamon roll as big as my head. I'm well-caffeinated. I'm a whole pot of coffee deep. And I want to talk about money in the bank. It's a week from tomorrow. Las Vegas, Nevada. The fields multiple men and women for the money in the bank ladder matches continue to take shape. We got a massive addition in the form of Omos this past Monday night, the way things are looking right now, Vic, what's got you most fired up for MITB?
2: Well, look, I love the money in the bank matches themselves. I love the concept uh, years ago when it came out at WrestleMania, the fact that one match has turned into one event. And then that event has turned into one of the five pillars is really unheard of because everyone's so excited for the money in the bank because it can change a superstar's course of a career that's what I'm excited about is who will climb the ladder, who will get the briefcase, who will have that opportunity of a lifetime? Those two matches, the men and the women, that's what excites me every single year for me. The rest is window dressing because those two matches are on the marquee for me at least personally. doubt
1: about it. I mean, I would be remiss to not make my pick my bold prediction here we are. Eight days away from the event, I'm standing by the man whom I put over to the moon last week, Seth Freakin' Rollins. Rollins responsible for the greatest cash-in already in WWE history. If anybody can top that, it's going to be the man himself. Uh, Elsewhere on the card, another development this past Monday. I, I, I think I'm contractually obligated to mention the fact that Carmella... Yeah, has now stepped in as the challenger to Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Obviously, that was a spot that was earned by Rhea Ripley several weeks back. I think everyone was excited to see what Rhea and Bianca can do. Physically speaking, inside the ring, two women who have very parallel careers. They, they were friends, allies in NXT. They've kind of come up and, and had very similar journeys. I think it, it definitely is a big-time match somewhere on the horizon. I have a little bit of inside info as pertains to this one, as Carmella becoming the challenger. I don't know if you know this or not, because I don't think I talked about it too much on Monday. I I only say that because Twitter wasn't mad at me because I didn't say enough nice things about my wife. Uh, But when this opportunity was presented to Carmella, listen, this was not the plan, all right? the WWE Universe knows that. That's no secret. Everyone was looking forward to Bianca and Rhea. And Carmella said to me, you know, what, what am I going to do now? You know, I've got Bianca. She's she's competed against Bianca numerous times. And I said, you need to look at this for what it is. This is quite literally a golden opportunity. Not necessarily only speaking about the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, the placement in the card. Here's Carmella. She was out with an injury, right? She hasn't been on TV for, what, six, eight weeks. Not really anything of substance since WrestleMania when she lost the tag team titles. I said, look at this for what this is. No, this wasn't the plan. And, and listen, one of, every, every ticket we sell says cards subject to change on it, right? That's part of the business. Sure. Injuries happen, circumstances change. Carmella now finds herself in a high profile championship match. At, as you mentioned, one of the tent pole events, one of the pillars tent of the year. That's great. Yeah. Money in the bank. Las Vegas, the world will be watching. I said, you need to look at this for what it is and go out there and crush it. Add some new wrinkles to your repertoire. Full disclosure: She and I are going to a ring here in Pittsburgh later tonight to see what she's capable of. Maybe add a few new moves into the, the to the fold. Uh, some different things. Get her sharp in the top of the game because people are going to be watching. And let's say she comes up short, which I personally hope doesn't happen. But let's say it does happen. This is an opportunity for everybody watching to go. Damn, she didn't win, but she's really good. Or oh, we forgot, Carmella could do this it is the, the profile of the matchup is the most valuable asset or mo- most valuable part of the equation. Would you agree?
2: I, I would, but I I'm starting to listen to you and I'm thinking what you really want is for her to win so that you could have your live celebration in ring. I mean, I that's didn't what think you're, about that's that. what you're, that's what
1: you're really thinking about. I here. wasn't thinking that, but now that you've planted the seed in my brain, perhaps, yes, that is, that is definitely potential uh, there there will be quite the celebration. You're going to get a little
2: tug-tied right now.
1: It's going to be in Sin City. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be in Las Vegas. There is no shortage of unique ways to celebrate when uh, Mela is money.
2: I, I, I will say th- this, though. The one word that needs to be used is opportunity. Every chance you get to perform on a premium live event on television is an opportunity. And I want to use your wife as a specific example. She made music and magic with our truth and all she did was come out and dance. And that came off of, really, Mix Max Challenge, I think. And it was awesome. Whenever you get an opportunity, it's a golden ticket, as you said. doesn't Always. matter what it is. You can be asked to go out there and dress up as a fish. You better be the best damn fish because you don't know what that can create. And that's the mentality
1: that is maybe the biggest reason why the Miz will be a Hall of Famer 100%. Someday. Miz is the perfect example, and I know it's been well-documented. You can watch WWE Evil. People did not like the Miz. Miz had, he didn't have a whole lot of people on his side during his rise to success, but Miz realizes what the opportunity is worth. Every time he steps in front of a camera, this was discussed with us in back in the days of FCW. There was actually a number at the time as to each minute of Monday Night Raw is essentially worth X number of dollars from an advertising perspective, from from what it costs to produce. There's a value. If you show up on Monday Night Raw or on Friday Night SmackDown or even on NXT, if you were on that, there's expense involved. There's cost involved, not only just from production, but from air time. So you're being entrusted with that time to do what you can do with it to the best of your ability. And nobody hits home runs as regularly and frequently as the Miz has done for years and years and years. And that's why Miz is looked upon because no matter what you give Miz, Miz is going to do the hell out of it every time he's in front of a camera.
2: Well, there's that analogy, time is money, right? Exactly. And and, and it means so much when it comes to, the realm in which we live in, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or Friday. There's something else about The Miz, and I think it also ties into what you're talking about with uh, Carmella. The Miz has won how many championships? The Miz is a movie star. The Miz has a very successful reality TV show. But it wasn't just, what, a few months ago where he was getting his pants pulled down? Right. And he was in his underwear, and now they're shouting, oh, your husband has tiny balls? And this is The Miz with all the accolades being told he has tiny balls. And you think he said geez, guys, I don't think I should do that. No, he said, awesome. How much time do I have? Great. It's going to be the best 10 minutes you have. Exactly.
1: Because Miz is one of, I don't want to say one of the few, but one of the best examples of people who understand and look at this as what it is, a business. Everyone focuses on the wrestling side of things, which yes, that is Of the utmost importance. That is what we do. The goal is to go out and entertain, and have great matches and great moments, and create memories. But at the end of the day, it is business. So when you can prove your worth, and that is exactly what Miz has done his entire career. That is, I know for a fact, personally, that is Carmella's goal is to show her value each and every time, whether it's something that is high profile like a women's championship match or something ridiculous where you have to make a fool of yourself. Because at the end of the day, when contract time comes around, when you're negotiating with WWE for your next contract, you can't say, "Oh well, hey, I I was the Intercontinental Champion, you should pay me more. Because you had the championship. But if you say, when I was Intercontinental Champion, I gave you 20-minute matches week after week. I lived up to the hype, I pulled my weight. I made the most of every opportunity presented to me. And then they go, "Hmm, you're right. Let's give you more money. That's how business works. Not just wrestling business business. When you have a goal or you have a role to to fulfill and you do it well, and you supersede expectations, you become infinitely more valuable. And I hope, Somebody's listening to this, this is either aspiring to get into the business or is in the business, because sometimes you're going to be tasked with doing stuff you don't want to do. Sometimes we've had how many guests on here, Vic, recently? Uh, Dolph Ziggler comes to mind, Kevin Owens comes to mind, Sammy who have Zane. talked about being frustrated and, and not being fulfilled creatively and not getting to necessarily do things their way. But guess what? When you do it well, even if it isn't your way, on a long enough timeline, more, more often than not, you're gonna to get to do things your way or at least closer to your vision. There, there's the old adage about playing the game, right? In WWE, that's the game. That's the game. That's the game of life. You do what you have to do so that you can eventually do what you want to do, period. So if it's not what you had planned, it's not where you saw yourself at that particular juncture, guess what? Your time may still be coming. You go. All right. You know what? This isn't how I wanted to do it. I wasn't ready for this. Carmella, it, it, she was panicking. Tuesday morning, she woke up. and She's like, "Oh my god! I got to get new gear made. I got to do this." That because she needs. She wants a spectacular new entrance for Money in the Bank. It all fell in her lap, but she's going. Okay, I got to do this. I not, not how. Not oh, poor me. Oh, I don't have enough time. It's no. Here we go. It's go time. Pull the trigger. Let's go.
2: Well, the other part of it too is. The Miz, I throw Bailey in this as well. And and Bailey's another great example. Yes. This isn't just, oh, dude. that. This is also a reward because you have stepped up to the plate and hit the home runs. So Carmela is very deserving, whether the internet wants to believe it or not, of this opportunity. But here's the other thing that I think gets missed. You talk about life, right? And we both have kids and we say to our kids all the time, if you don't take the opportunity, you don't know when the next opportunity you will get. You say, sorry, hangnail, I can't, I have uh, my hair appointment, or I didn't have my cup of coffee, whatever the bullshit excuse is. Okay, well, then bleep off. I'm going to give it to this person. You go to the end of the line, and when contract time comes up in any job, not just here in the WWE, well, they didn't step up to the plate. They always have an excuse. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. It's about taking the opportunity and making the most of it. The
1: machine never stops. The machine is going to continue to power forward regardless of who is at the helm, regardless of who is sitting in which comp- the compartment of, of the machine it's going to go right. WWE is, it's, it, it this global entity. If you are lucky enough to have a role, do the hell out of it. Sure. Do your role to the best of your ability. Let's, let's be honest, Vic. How many people have you heard? and I know you've heard as, as least, at least as many as I have, people who have left WWE because they weren't being used right, or they didn't have the right opportunity. And, and that's not to say, listen, to each their own. Everybody is entitled to chase their, their happiness, right? If that, if that's, that's what's important to you. But from a business perspective, how many times have people left WWE and gone on to become bigger stars than they were in the machine?
2: Not often. I I can look at many other programs that are on television right now and and pick out people. It's the grass isn't always greener. Sure. That's the, that's the bottom line.
1: I mean, for every once in a while, you have a case of a Drew McIntyre who leaves and puts in the work to come back and force his way back into the machine. And then guess what? Now he finds himself in an even better spot because now Drew understands it's about doing your job. It's about playing your role to the umpteenth power and making yourself as valuable as possible. And that that doesn't, doesn't exclude you and me as announcers,
2: backstage referees, interviewers, matter referees,
1: what it catering. It does not matter. That's how this place operates. If you are not at the top of your game, don't come.
2: Look, I've said this on this program before. I was doing Raw two years ago. I wasn't good. I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I overlooked things. Guess what? I got taken off the show. I had to work my ass off to get back to NXT, to be doing what I'm doing now with Wade Barrett or Wade Barrett and Beth Phoenix, the list goes on. You have to put in the work. And when you put in the work, you get rewarded, but you have to make the most of the opportunities that are presented to you. doesn't matter what you are in any facet, any job. You talk about who has left here. Look at sports. How many people have complained? Oh, my contract isn't big enough. I'm gonna leave. And then they go on and what do they do? Nothing because they overvalued themselves to certain degrees. It's one thing
1: to overvalue yourself. It's another for the company, any company. And again, this is bigger than pro wrestling. I'm not speaking specifically to WWE, but to make yourself so valuable that you can call your shots, which is very rarefied air that is being breathed by one person in particular, who also set the internet on fire this past Friday night on SmackDown. The beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar, who has once again reared his head, who has now got the head of the table, Roman Reigns, in his sight. It is official last man standing, which at least gives me the impression this is going to be the last chapter, no matter what. Between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, Nashville, Nissan Stadium, SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. Of course, you've got people whining and complaining, oh, we've already seen this. We've already. Seen. You're right, you have seen it. And every time you've seen it, has it not been awesome? Every time Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are in the same ring, is it not magic? Does the arena, or in this coming case, a stadium, not rise to its feet and watch two behemoths who have proven themselves to be worth every dime because they are box office draws, because people will save up their money. They'll reach down into the cushions of their couch to drum up the last few bucks that they need because Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are going to fight in my town and I can sit there in the seat live because they're going to be on a premium live event and people are going to go, I haven't watched for a while, but I remember Brock Lesnar and I know Roman Reigns or man, I haven't watched since WrestleMania, but those two beat the hell out of each other. Then I want to see that again. It's box office. It is money. And we're not doing SummerSlam in Barclays Center this year. We're not doing it in an arena, it's a freaking stadium. So now you've got exponentially more tickets to sell. You've got all of these different factors that come into play when we come to town. This is feeling more already like WrestleMania than it does a standard SummerSlam. So you need the two biggest guns you can find right now. And again, I don't know if that was what what was the plan back at WrestleMania. I don't know that anybody saw that coming. We're gonna do Brock and Roman again at SummerSlam. They've had their their clashes. They've collided, what, three or four times over the past year, but injuries happen. We don't have Orton right now. We don't have Cody right now. Rhea Ripley, another prime example. Injuries happen. That's a part of this game. That's why the card says card subject to change. So, well, we're in a bind. We weren't, that wasn't where we expected to go. And I don't know this to be true. This is just me speculating from, from the outside. That's not what we saw happening but if we want to give the wwe universe something to get excited about something that they they know is going to deliver you bring out brock lesnar in case of emergency break glass undertaker made that joke on on the last ride it's brock lesnar and brock and roman are not going to disappoint yes you may have seen it before but i promise you have not seen it the way it's going to go down at SummerSlam. last man standing I'm fired up. I'm thrilled. And from the sounds of the people in attendance at Friday Night SmackDown, the WWE Universe is stoked, too, because when that guitar riff hit, man, I thought the roof was coming off that place.
2: When you see Brock Lesnar cross the street, you get afraid. You turn and run the other way because he literally could. lawn dart your ass across the city because he's that's something makes, more than human that right. is the best he's thing that mcafee human. has
1: provided our our world that the the, the the sports entertainment bubble was when he referred to brock lesnar as the alpha male of our species because that's real and, and you've you've been in close proximity to brock he he i've had conversations with him i consider us acquaintances but I thought he, he was going to beat your ass on raw. I thought he was too. Ago, and actually, you know what? If he fair. decided to, that's what was going to happen. <laughs> there was nothing I was going to do to stop it.
2: You know, the, the internet, you know, can complain and do whatever. What's the one game I look forward to every year when football season rolls around Brown Steelers have for 37 straight years. Cause you're a glutton every for time punishment. Yeah, okay. We don't need to get there. Football season. Uh, when it comes to the NBA, warriors, Cavs won four straight years in the finals. Everyone watched it. Ratings were going up. Who cares? It's going to be a spectacle. It's the two biggest names, as you talked about, right now in the industry competing in the home of the Tennessee Titans.
1: I don't know. 60, 65,000 have to do with anything. I mean, unless that was saying, some sort of ham-fisted again. attempt to set But yeah, then we also have a general coming guests. from Nashville. Yeah. God, Vic, this is why what? you leave the leave the traffic to the pros here. All Come right, on just now.
2: Go. I'm going to finish my coffee then.
1: Finish your coffee.
2: You finish it up.
1: I can't believe you went Tennessee Titans. All the different ways we could brought have up gone. The
2: Steelers and the Browns. Look at the. It was a nice tie-in.
1: Despite Vic's ham-fisted attempts at a transition, it is my honor and pleasure. Transition to welcome wwe hall of famer for the first time ever on after the bell mr jeff jarrett jeff first of all thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to hang out with us a little bit today uh as Vic and i were preparing with our producers to interview hall of famer jeff jarrett we realized man you have done a lot of stuff in your life in your career We've just recently added podcast hosts to the resume, your podcast, My World, alongside our good friend Conrad, can be found on podcast platforms everywhere. But I want to talk to you about the newest undertaking in your spectacular career, an executive role behind the scenes here in WWE as the Senior Vice President of Live Events. Are there more that I'm forgetting?
0: You're it's your show. You're the one who should have prepped for this. We I know, can, I know. Yeah, Corey. Ball. Vic's supposed to pick it up, but I can tell. Oh, these, no, no, they're, listen, they're Vic spends
1: most of the show trying to bat the ball out of my hands,
0: and yeah. he's on my team. He's playing Wordle over there. I can. Tell. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, go ahead. Talk.
2: <laughs> I think you threw Corey off.
1: <laughs> no, no. Wait. Did, did, I, did, did the question not? Did I? Did I freeze? Did I not come through?
2: Oh, I asked so about who's no I asked I asked if is there.: here.
1: No, I asked if that was the end of the title.: Booking: SVP of Live Event Booking.: Live Event Booking. Okay, I didn't want to screw up the title. that was because I did that with Hunter before with he was live events creative. It's, he had like 11 titles. I wasn't sure.:
0: <laughs> Folks, we're having fun here today. I, folks probably don't know that we all know each other pretty well.: People have no idea. Have we ever had a serious conversation in our life?: No, Hell no. Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. and,
1: and, and shame on me for assuming that's what we were going to start with. No, I, I should have known better. <laughs> all right. But seriously, Jeff, you have recently taken on the role as senior vice president, live event booking. I did my research on that one. I found that out all by myself. Uh, how has this new role affected your
0: life and how did you fall into this? Oof. Yeah, okay, so you're saying that I didn't earn it. I was or, insulting your credibility. Said. I, exactly. just, right I just listed head. off I, you know, four
1: minutes worth of the accolades.
0: So anyhow, let's get serious here for a second. And I'll put on my corporate hat. Uh, you know, let me think where to start. So I'll try to be, I'm long-winded, guys. I do this podcast. So uh, Conrad says, hey, man, just talk. But long story short. Hey, Jeff, chat me up. Chat me up. Chat me up about live events. Listen, a lot to unpack here, but in 2018, (laughs) uh, I got inducted into Hall of Fame. Fast forward a year later, did uh, Royal Rumble, and then came on um, kind of in a quasi-producer role, and then I I guess I was under uh, CWT, creative writing, Team, which encompassed a lot, but then uh, after about six months, uh, I was moved into the live event department. So, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of coming back to the position that that I got into. I loved it. It's a passion of mine. Uh, Goes without saying, my family has been in. um, You know, years ago, when my grandmother in 1946 got into the business, there's a one-hour television show that was uh, done uh, all over the southeast. But live events is a passion of mine. But I worked in live events in 2019 up to the pandemic. I'll never forget that. That's a whole other story. I came out of a live event meeting, went into LaGuardia, got on a plane, hear people in first class talking about, uh, I got upgraded just so you'll know. You mean it didn't get canceled that day? It didn't. That's another story. But anyway, yeah. So the whole world shut down as we know it. And then during the pandemic, I worked in international, uh, for, for quite some time. And then, uh, we went our separate ways. And so, just as of late it all happened really quick and it's hard to believe that that uh WWE's back on the road uh, almost a year and so as that ramping up process and everyone knows you know how the the the, the organization uh made some smart decisions run lean and mean highly profitable uh but i am uh, really grateful that um uh, the 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 team the executive team Said, uh, "Hey, we'd like you to basically come back into the live event department." And you know, we were talking uh, the three of us right before we went on there. There's so much that goes into um, live events. You know, years ago, years ago, it was called house shows, uh, and I we all kind of understand that's vernacular that coming up in the business. But the live event name, uh, what it's called, is is really uh, much more appropriate because uh, that's what it is. It's you come see it live now. Uh, now that we have Raw and SmackDown for the last 20, 30 years and they're no longer pay-per-views or premium live events. And so we changed the wording a lot of ways. And what what I am kind of dialed into as my first priority is the non-televised live events. And I'll shut up there and let you guys ask questions, but it is an incredible undertaking. I'm from Nashville, and so Folks in the music business go out on a tour and may have 30 shows, maybe have 60 shows. And then they come home basically for the winter. They start in the spring and hot through the summer and come home in the fall. As we all know, we're 52 weeks a year. And um, every Monday and Friday, there is a live event. And once a month on Saturday or Sunday, there is a live event. And then put in all the other non televised. It's a massive, massive, massive touring organization and um it's at the core of what we do in so many ways without a live event it's uh, really put hard to put on a a, a a a paper or premium live event spectacular tv show so most
1: of our fans are familiar with the live event friday and monday smackdown raw the, the premium live events that air what goes into a non-televised event that i think maybe a lot of our fans wouldn't think of i grew up going to them vic grew up going to them as fans we've all been to the non-televised live events but there's still a lot of work there's still a big crew there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that the the audience who are sitting in that arena have no idea what's something that really struck you when you first started working on this aspect of the business as wow man i never planned for that
0: so in my experience, you know, as a talent, uh, I'll go back in the nineties, kind of the routing with that, there was no such thing as two crews. It was, um, uh, two brands. Let me there was no such two pair, but there were, there were, two, there were two shows late eighties. Sometimes they were running three tours, but it wasn't, diff- it wasn't branded. It was all out, uh, j- just run and gun and go. But, um, in 2019, when I, sat down with a lot of department heads and you kind of take a step back and say, okay, in a calendar year in 2016 or 17, 18, I'm not sure exactly sure WWE ran over 500 live events. Folks, there's only 365 (laughs) days in a year. That, That includes, uh, you know, you, you take an NXT, I think it's referred to some folks, coconut tour, basically staying in the state of Florida. Uh, but, but, Those shows, and then you have your Raw branded shows, your SmackDown branded shows, your super shows, which is combined brand, um, and and then the Raw TV tapings and SmackDown TV tapings, and then the premium live events. There is a a lot of moving parts, almost so much so, Corey, that it's almost overwhelming when you kind of just look at the amount of dates. And so then it goes without saying, you know, you... The the priority it's it's a it's a it's a real simple business pecking order that um, you know SummerSlam's coming up so okay you, you have Nashville and that's the premium live event that's happening on Saturday so we got to have an event on Friday and Monday that routes with it you guys are talent so how are we going to travel there well this year Friday is Atlanta SmackDown and and so the, you know just the whole routing process of premium live events. Rawls, smackdowns, and then the next step down is where are we going to have shows on Saturday and Sunday? and so to make it i don't want to say easy on talent, that's our goal uh in so many ways possible it it it, 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 it really is a, a a such an incredible juggling because you know we want to make the routing where it's jumps so the drives are less than 300 miles uh, or, you know, and that's not always easy. So all all of a sudden you just get your radius and and say, okay, we got to go from Friday to Monday. So Saturday and Sunday got to be routed in here. It's not always easy because then you get into building avails. And when you get into building avails, can we run this building? Well, coming out of pandemic, everybody wants to get back out and there's high school graduations. And I mean, there's so much more than just, basketball football baseball whatever it may be in the in these in in these buildings or arenas there's community events there's like i said graduations there's harlem glow trotters there's all this kind of stuff that is highly competitive and again uh you know goes without saying the music acts come in they they have their date they have it routed and and so uh, again we have to Really and, be- and they
1: don't care that SummerSlam is happening the next night and it needs to be convenient.
0: Isn't it crazy that sometimes the world does revolve around wrestling? I <laughs> I, I just want to smack the people <laughs> across the face when they don't see our point of view. But no, all kidding aside, it is a it's a real challenging uh, you and you ask what what kind of surprised me the amount of dates and the work that it goes in just to make a calendar look I, I don't want to say acceptable, but 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 but, but okay, because at the end of the day, it's black ink versus red ink. So, so how are we going to accomplish that? And so many factors go into just that. Then all of a sudden, you start getting in the production elements and the staffing. And I just went to Cape Girardeau, and coming out of the pandemic, I was really is my first live event, is I was really interested to see, right, what's it going to look like out there production-wise? Well, it's a bigger and better and badass screen. We've got two or three video folks we got two audio, we got two lighting, we've got our social media team there. Just the amount of staff that goes into a non-televised event is an incredible routing uh, situation in and of itself, and we haven't even got to getting talent there.
1: Right, that's just, just to book the date. Everything that you've just explained over the last several minutes is just to have the right to step in the building.
0: Yeah.
2: you talk about going to, you know, Cape and and you get all these different production elements. How have the live events really adapted, in in your opinion, over the years? Is it those video elements that are now in? Because now there's this Tron and there's this social media poll. Is that the biggest thing that has changed over time?
0: Oh, man, we don't have enough time, guys, to really get into this. Because it is something that I have... Spent again, it's my passion. Um, obviously my first love was in the ring. Uh, but when you take a step back, you know, there's there's booking and there's marketing and there's all kinds of hats we can wear. And you know, you guys are running this podcast, but you know, your your day job is calling matches. So live events is something that I've always, you know, it's the first thing I did in this business was work not in the ring but I worked for my grandmother selling concession stands that that was literally my first job in the, in the business and that's a component that's highly profitable uh but that that's kind of how I got my my taste of this this business but the evolution of the expectation of the fan. As you guys know, you grew up, you used to watch on Saturday mornings what TV was. And I'm not going to go back to the territory days, but let's go to Superstars and Challenge. It was that show, and and we would watch that, and then, okay, now, but, you know, you have Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, Vince McMahon, all the voices that you hear narrating, and you kind of walk you through it. But when you come to a live event, we kind of knew... We're not going to have play by play and color commentator. There are people that walk into a, a non televised live event today and go, wait a minute. I, I don't have Corey Graves telling me what the story is. I don't have Michael Cole. I don't have Pat McAfee standing up on the desk. I, I don't have all of that bits because, you know, at, at the end of the day, the person, and this probably be a cool, cool little stat, but whether it's a physical face or a, 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 a voice, I would challenge someone. I believe Jerry Lawler has the most raw TV time of any superstar in history. I would agree with that. You kind of think through that. And and, and, and he's, he's the announcer. So the amount of TV time you mugs get with their voice. So now they come to the brand that they watch every Monday and Friday in premium live events. And they don't have their buddy to narrate it or entertain or educate them. So... That is that 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 kind of viewpoint of everything. Byron Saxton was at the live event. He's awesome. It absolutely kind of tying things together. But the expectation of the audience that when they step out there and they come through and buy their ticket, and you got the merch table over here, and we do some backstage, we try to create as much as possible a TV experience. But the only thing that's really missing is is, is you guys, but we can get Get you know, close to it, and narrate it, and the talent will talk and do in-rings and setups and all that kind of stuff. But it's just a different product out there now that people come in and and, and they're so accustomed to watching Raw and SmackDown when they come to the non-televised. we, we I don't say make up for it, but we got to give them a different flair and a different experience.
1: That was a very, very nice, eloquent way of saying that you and I are non-essential employees, Vic. That's exactly what that
2: was. Well, at least, at least he gave you not and said, hey, they didn't have Corey Graves or Pat Maxby or Michael Cole. I'm just, you know, chopped liver over here.
0: Oh, come on now, guys.
3: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
1: Jeff, you you mentioned your first taste of the business was running concessions uh, with your grandmother. I wasn't aware that your grandmother was what got you. I, I of course know your father's your history. Dad, yeah, yeah, I know your father's history. What what is it about the behind the scenes aspect of the business? Because your hand or your footprint, I should say, is felt to this day. Obviously, we're, I want to get into to total nonstop action in a few minutes. We'll take a look back at that. But you're, to this very day, your footprint is just as strong behind the scenes as in front of the camera. What sort of drew you to that? Money? No. Uh,
0: no, all kidding aside. Told, perfectly acceptable for, answer, yeah. by the <laughs> way. <laughs> here's the story. You guys can relate. Uh, I was 14 or 15, being around the business. And in the summers, I played basketball. But I, don't, I, loved, I loved to go to live shows. There was a spot show, basically a, a not a weekly town. It's something we went to every couple of months. It was an armory, and my grandmother said, "Hey, the people who run the concession stands locally, they can't be there, so I want you to do it, and I'm going to take you." It's not a Sam's sale, but in back in the uh, early '80s, it was that version in Nashville, and we went by and bought the popcorn and soft drinks and cups and got it hot dog, got all that kind of stuff together and spent maybe I don't know 150 bucks. And um, my grandmother, crazy as it may be, uh, she never, never had a license in this business. So she, so she always had her assistant It was a cousin or somebody that drove her. But we went to the town. She did her thing, promoted sales tickets and all that kind of stuff. She got me over and kind of halfway helped me like, this is what you got to do. So then I set up the concession stand and I ran it. I, I mean, I literally ran the concession stand. You know, whatever, four or five hundred people at a little spot show. Did all that tore it down. I was fully responsible and I'll never forget it. Driving home, she had one of those big, huge tank Cadillacs and I'm in the back seat and I'm counting it and she's saying, okay, and whatever the number was, she's like, I need 140 bucks or whatever it is for cost of goods. And she said, the rest is yours. And I got to tell you this, (laughs) my buddies that cut grass four or five yards a day, four or five days, as many as they could get. I mean, it's no comparison. I'm making four or 500 bucks and I got to watch wrestling
2: while I'm making money.
0: (laughs) Are you kidding me? Sign me up. But I say all that to say that was a real impressionable moment that I had that I'm going, this is concessions on a, we used to call them spot shows, a tiny show. So that was kind of my first indoctrination into the business. And then my dad always had this saying, and my grandmother had this saying, hey, Jeff, you can become a wrestler don't think like a wrestler. Don't be a wrestler because that is that is a mindset that is a very finite career that that can end like that. You don't really have control over it because it's ebbs and blows and all that. So they really encouraged me to learn every facet of the business, creative, production, marketing. I can't tell you how many window cards, little posters I put up in town, sure. Indiana to Arkansas, just those little things. And i Loved it at first, then it kind of became, oh, man, this is hard work. I, I'd rather be wrestling. Oh, no, no, no. You learn this and then get into wrestling. But, you know, uh, 93, when I went to Vince and, and that first time and I saw the bright lights of Big City of that production, I was amazed day one because coming from Memphis TV, it's a TV studio at, at a news station, right? you know, just all that. So I've always really been fascinated by everything outside the ring as much as inside the ring.
1: It's funny to hear you say that because my first foray into what happened behind the scenes and outside of the ring wasn't until I I had my concussion issues and was forced to retire and the company, to their credit, gave me the keys to the kingdom and said, hey, listen, you didn't do anything wrong, but we don't really know what to do with you. So let's see if you catch on. And in, in the in the interim, it was down at NXT. I was running cable for you know, literally setting up the shows and running music and helping the superstars pick out their music and a lot more of that sort of thing. And and I developed a taste for it, which is why I'm so curious asking you all these questions. Yes, we could talk about great matches with Jeff Jarrett, but personally, I'm still so fascinated because particularly in this company, there are so many different departments that. Nobody ever even thinks of, let alone to think of the actual impact they have on what we know as WWE TV.
0: Just last week, I'm I'm glad you said that because uh, I'm reconnecting with a lot of the relationships and the different departments. There's so many departments that really touch non-televised, but I was working, went into PR and and just kind of looking at that Google spreadsheet and people don't really understand that, yes, we've got to promote SummerSlam and we've got to do this and that and community has got to get involved and this talent's going that, okay. So there's a massive amount of bandwidth focused on Raw, SmackDown, premium live events. Well, you also have these non-televised. And there is a three-hour block every Wednesday and a three-hour block every Thursday that a talent from each brand is assigned, and they sit down. It's lucky now coming out of the pandemic because we can do it like this. Sit down in front of their iPad, and they've got a three-hour block of promos. That's the kind of stuff that's not real glorious, and you got to get up and... You know, some of these talent are they are as we all know, they're off the road 36, 48 hours. And you want me to sit in front of my iPad and talk mm-hmm. to Johnny Yo-Yo down in I better not say it name <laughs> <by my town. laughs> but you know, that I've got to do, but it there it's 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 kind of the business of the business that uh if 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 we as collectively as an organization company don't succeed at that, we don't have those quarterly uh dividends. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. It doesn't doesn't matter how how talented a superstar is without the machine behind it driving it. Yeah, completely agree.
2: Corey, earlier today we were talking about Carmella and Miz, and the list goes on. I think Jeff, to you, an example, of what we talked about earlier, you're a great example of taking every opportunity and turning it into gold. It, wanting to learn, wanting those, uh, what, what else can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? What is behind that mentality and how important is that mentality to someone maybe who's in NXT right now that's currently listening about learning every facet of the game?
0: Two sides to that. As a talent, and I used to, so, you know, I'm 35 starting TNA and I would tell a young AJ Styles. I can't really impress upon you how important it is for you to at least know your cameraman's name, your 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 go position, your gorilla position, you know, n- know everybody's name to because that's going to they're the ones that are going to make you a better talent. Know them, they're forgiving of that. The 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 you just kind of kind of work together. Also on the I'll go back to my father and 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 my my grandmother is that you're in ring I don't say it's like the NFL because shoot, there, there's there's still folks. Ric Flair, seventy, he's still wrestling. But there's only one that you know. There very few can With have the that exception, long. not the rule, right? Exactly. right. Yeah. But but like Corey, he didn't do anything wrong. But wow, you can still be a part of this industry in a massive way if you learn all facets of the business. So if if there's a kid in NXT listening, I know your goal is to main event WrestleMania. I promise you. It is to your, I can't it, it will make you a better talent if you understand every part of it. Go up to a camera guy, go up to a director. What do I need to do so you can make me look better? It's kind of selfishly that simple. And you know, I, I can think back we I just did Broken Skull with Stone Cold, and I can remember him sitting beside Merch, Jimmy Miranda, uh and 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 having discussions about his merch and designs and all that i mean he was super engaged in okay this is selling that that maybe not selling as good all right let's go this direction so just it's so much more involved in this business than bell to bell that there really is and that's that's where that's where the guy takes it to another level when he understands the business is a business but still has that love for it
1: Man, our, uh, our conversation we had before you joined the call is it's, this is right in the same vein. This is awesome. You're just keeping it rolling. Uh, You mentioned uh, TNA, a company that you started now 20 years ago, this past weekend, they celebrated their 20th anniversary. Obviously your career and, and life have taken different paths, but this was your creation. What does it mean to you, even from your position you sit in now? that something you created has had that much longevity and success and generated a litany of stars, some of whom are still on WWE TV today. AJ Styles in particular.
0: Yeah. You know, this weekend, Sunday was father's day. So I got to spend time with my father and we you know I'm getting goose. we went back. To- I saw
1: the photo your your wife posted on Instagram and I saw all of you sitting
0: on the oh, back yeah, porch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. I was like, wow, that was, that's really cool. Yeah. So we were chatting, but just, you know, him, me going to him and having that conversation and I want to do this, dad, you want to be a part? Yeah. You want me to be a part. We just had that conversation and we had to make that kind of decision like, all right, is it 50, 50? Is it 75, 25? And he said, I want you to make that call. So I said, all right, you've taught me there's got to be a boss that they're literally, they're 50, 50, isn't going to work, but in my mind, I want him engaged. So let's go 66, 33, You know, two thirds, one third. <laughs> so we had that conversation, and then Conrad, I think, is the one who was telling me, is do you? You know, he's like, do you realize, DNA's lasted longer than WCW, ECW combined? Wow, oh, I would have never, I, I never would have thought of that. And for me, and I know it's a it's a hybrid because WCW to me is NWA, but as an entity, Ted Turner's baby uh, was, you know. didn't last 20 years. So, you know, and, and, but also uh, think about just the trajectory of the company and, and, you know, it's it's no secret. There's been a lot of ups, but there were some downs and quite a few downs, but it's still rocking and rolling and creating content. So hats off to that group in so many ways. Pretty cool.
1: What do you accredit your, your success when things were down, when you were running a company that was your responsibility, your creation and things went down and, and it's been pretty well publicized. You've had some, some battles over the years in hindsight, what do you credit your willing to keep moving forward and soldiering forward in this business rather than saying, all right, I've had a good run. Enough is enough.
0: Uh, I'm delusional. Uh, I'm an idiot, <laughs> crazy.
1: Because I think, I think a lot of people, I know we talk to a lot of people on here who get frustrated, usually with, you know, being on screen sort of issues, but a lot of people, this business is not like anything else on earth. So to be as tied in and having this be such a major part of your life, I think it would be understandable if every once in a while you just kind of stepped away or you finally went, hey, all right, I'm done. But you're still here and you're still trying to do more than you've done before.
0: Uh, I've got a passion for it that I can't really describe. I'm one of five kids uh, and I'm the only one out of the family that even really gave it a good shot, let alone have a passion for it. So I don't really under, I can't explain that, but getting into the business and, you know, uh, that poem, Don't Quit is something I just uh, read and got, con- well, Conrad yes. brought it up. Th- that was- I, I,
1: I've, I'm going to cut you off only because I listened to that episode and that poem resonated with me to the point that when I got home, I was listening in my car, I looked up the poem and I sent it to my son. Oh, wow. And he responded back and it just, it hit me. It hit such a chord when I was listening to your story and your tale. And for anybody listening to this episode of ATB, check out J- Jeff's podcast, My World, where you go in depth with your, your struggles with addiction and alcohol and whatnot. And just a, such a powerful, powerful story. So hats off to you and congratulations for for doing what you've done since then.
0: I appreciate that. You know, I think at the very core of it, uh, we all have different kind of life moments. I had a high school basketball coach that really, I mean, he drilled it. Sometimes I, we hated to hear it. But, you know, you've got a lot of options out there. Just make sure you cross off the list. Don't quit. You, you can rest. And that poem really gets into it. But you you can take a break. And look, throughout my career, and we has been documented, me and Road Dog, we took a break uh, and walked. Was that the smartest thing to do? But th- there are certain things that that just boil to the surface. And look, talent that are currently on the roster and, and where, wherever you're at in life, things are going to boil up. The best thing to do is just kind of take a downbeat and take a deep breath because what we, I think all of us collectively, we're all in this for uh, kind of a different reason, but it is, I have, again, I've said this to, in Nashville, when we have different conversations with musicians and tour folks and agents and all that. And they will tell me, and you guys are really, are a different breed. And I said, you have no idea. <laughs> I said, you yeah, have man. no idea. But, 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 uh, but just the I think the passion in me that I really, really, really love. Uh, uh, I just, I, I think we're lucky. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm blessed that, um, I got into an industry that I love and, and I, I do, I like to try, uh, I told Conrad almost episode three or four, I said, yes, I am a delusional optimist because, look, the, the worst thing, failing's not, uh, uh, we're all going to fail. It's not getting back up is the problem. So, hey, man, I've, I've struck out a lot of times in my life, but getting back up is the sweet sauce.
1: Well, as you continue to get back up, your ventures have produced and your knowledge has helped many careers. I mentioned AJ Styles. Obviously, we don't need to get into what AJ has accomplished in WWE. But before we came on to record today, Vic and I were actually telling tales of how you have affected both of our careers in, in certain ways over the years. And Vic, I'll, I'll give the floor to you because you yeah. were telling me the story.
2: I think, you know, as, as we've gone on with this show, and Jeff, I've never told you this ever, I always credit Tommy Dreamer and Rhino but in reality, I need to throw Jeff Jarrett's name into that as well because Corey and I have been on the indies and and, and done all that, and you always meet somebody. Who, yeah, send me your stuff. I'll watch it. Either A, they don't watch it, or B, they do watch it and tell you you owe them 100 bucks. One of those two <laughs> type of things happen. And, and for you, you would take an email from me, and you'd always respond no matter what you were doing. And at that point, you were trying to – uh I think you were doing uh, stadiums, uh, baseball stadiums, minor league stadiums, and global force. But you always took the time to message me back and say, try this, do this. Hey, what about if you try to do this aspect of the game, ring announcing, for instance, which I never tried. And then when I got hired, the first thing I did was I had to be a ring announcer. So I immediately thought, I should have listened to Jeff and tried this ring announcing thing. out. <laughs> but, you know, I've never publicly thanked you or even or, or told you to your face how important that was to me. So thank you. And my question to you off of that is, why is it for someone who's accomplished so much, you still want to give back to that next generation of talent?
0: Ooh, you're going to get deep here. Uh,
2: my goal was to make you cry today, by the way.
0: He's not crying, though. I'm so, going so to throw it out. You failed there. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to think kind of a jumping off point how to articulate this. In a lot of ways, it's, it's I would feel guilty if I didn't. I think it's my duty. I also think um, handsome Jimmy Valiant is like Corey. He's tattooed, sleeve, legs, and all this. But I saw him, from, I met him as a little kid, one of my favorites of all time as a performer, but we became buds. He had a tattoo on his forearm before he got all sleeved up. It said, to teach is to learn twice. That rung a bell with me that I went, okay. And we had a conversation about that. I'm like, so if I'm passing on knowledge, I'm kind of, I've got a theory in my brain that if I, if I'm talking, my soul is listening. Yes. You guys may be listening, but it's coming out of the brain, but I think it resonates all that. So I think it's my duty. Also look back on my career as I've gotten older, I'm the promoter's kid and you guys can probably see this, you know? So whether they hated me or, or loved me or, we a little in between, they were kind of stuck working with me. And for the most part, everybody was really kind of good to me. And, you know, I'm getting into the weeds here, but I feel I kind of owe it to the, the business because I've been taught uh, Jerry Lawler. I can't tell you how many times I would just kind of sit and listen to him and, and, you know, to sit under his learning tree night in and night out, that's a freaking gift. I mean, theres I can't put a value on that. So I, I think those kind of things have resonated with me. I also think my belief and my faith that, that look, I, I was blessed and lucky and, and so many things to be a part of, of a lot of great, successful things. It, it's on me to pass it on because uh, we're kind of talking about the the main thing I want to pass on to talent when I tell them, dude, it's never over. I don't care how bad your last match was or how bad your last promo is, and we've seen guys over the last 12, 18 months that get their walking papers, and I try to tell them quietly. They'd reach out, hey, man, you got any advice? I'm like, you could be looking at the greatest day of your career. If you take it this way and move on, because, hey, I, I, if I remember not so long ago, three months ago, all you were doing was bitching about picking up that check. Now you got an opportunity to go, you know, just so it's life's funny that way. But if I can pass on some uh, of some of the, the the wisdom that I've picked up through the years, I think it's my duty in a lot of ways.
1: I love that. outlook. it makes it makes a lot of sense. And kind of you like I mean, that handsome Jimmy quote. I, I love it. It's I yeah, might it's go a tattoo it on. Actually, I still yeah. got some room somewhere. I might have to stick that on my body somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we were talking about the, the Genesis of TNA. I was actually at the very first TNA event that ever took place. I was with Dory Funk I was in Dory's no class at the time, yeah, and he had brought a handful of us. Uh, Adam Windsor, who had recently just passed away, R.I.P. Adam Windsor. We were there uh, as a group to sort of watch and witness the very first TNA show, and so I was backstage, kind of behind the scenes, meeting. Wait, every- wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! What? In Huntsville? Yeah, I was. I was. Him. I was in Ocala. At the, my graduation present from my father was a week at Dory Funk's camp in in
0: Florida. Wow, so I'd, man, I'd, we're I'd, getting the yeah. good stuff today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my, my very first, my very first foray and first time I, I I believe I met you briefly. I mean, you were wearing a 10,000 hats that day, but I was there, which when I saw the 20th anniversary, I went, Oh my God, I've been in this business way too long. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about (laughs) it, pal. But but the first time you and I actually ever really got to bond was over in the UK. We were doing tours over there and all the times we had, and we have an inside joke that I'm sure isn't going to translate to anybody that's listening, but for our purposes, just to make you and I laugh. (laughs) I vividly (laughs) recall sitting in Manchester airport at approximately five or six o'clock in the morning at a table that was outside of the food court, but was right below one of those digital boards where it tells you which gate, which flight, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sitting there and there was somebody else with us. And I, I can't remember at the time, but Jeff sat down across the table from me and we were all still celebrating from the night before we were having ourselves quite a time. And Jeff took it upon himself to play travel agent. <laughs> and what I mean by that is for a solid Vic, I am not exaggerating a solid 30 minutes. Jeff sat at the table with me and every weary traveler who wandered up toward the table to look at the board that was playing obviously being operated by the airport was accurate <laughs> as to the times and the dates and the gates. Jeff would just say, Oh, you're, you're flying to, to Ireland. I'm sorry. It's canceled. Oh, where are you flying to? Oh, we're heading to New York. Oh, these just random people. Random people, and for thirty minutes, every and these people just kept walking up, and net, rather than looking at the board, <laughs> and saying this guy who is sitting at the table is clearly lying to us, you would be amazed at how many people just took him at face value, and you would see the disappointment wash over them, <laughs> because now <laughs> they had to me. rebook their flight. <laughs> <laughs> And to this day, Jeff greets me every time. He called me last week to talk about this podcast and started the phone call with the update. Hey, are you on the Delta flight? I said, yes, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's canceled.
2: We we got on a Zoom call today and Vic yeah. experienced it. So I thought it was, you got, I was like, oh, wow, that really, it's all shut down. I almost started sending texts to my brother who lives in New York. <laughs> no, you did not. I almost, I was like, hey, are you having flight problems? Because he's got to get out to the West Coast because he lives in Ardsley. So he uses LaGuardia. So when you came on, I thought you were dead to rights telling us that (laughs) Terminal 2 was closed at 3 o'clock in
0: the morning. Oh, my God. This is in this, and I can say this with all due respect. This is in the vibe and the spirit of an Owen Hart rib. It's completely harmless, but the person has to walk up and they're, hey, you going to Dublin? Oh, no, no, my bad. Where'd you go? And then you get them to tell you the city. Cool, we, cool, and they'll go, uh, and you just kind of, what you got to do is have empathy with them. Oh, my gosh. You're going to Istanbul? You didn't hear? <laughs> but you have to kind of <laughs> take a downbeat. And you don't go, you can't, Corey's getting up to speed or got to, you can't come right out and say it's canceled. You just go, oh, man, the Istanbul flight. Wait, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're going to Istanbul the next one? Yeah. Oh. Well, like 30 minutes canceled. But then you have to just completely distance yourself and go sit <laughs> back down and just yes, just So you out.
2: leave them standing there in their own pity and shame. You have to. You have but it, to. But then it's
1: on them because the board all they have to do is look at the board. But instead, they're trusting this guy in a t-shirt and jeans sitting at a random table. It was Absolutely it's the absurd! Absolutely <laughs> absurd! That—that that was my first foray. But then, in uh, years past, then when TNA would do the gut check, uh, I came when you guys were in Pittsburgh, went to TNA in Orlando, and had a tryout dark match. And then two weeks later, WWE signed me. So thanks, Jeff.
0: <laughs> How about that, pal? See, ushered <laughs> you, your career right to uh, WWE. There it is. There it is. Wow.
2: I still can't get over, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys were in the European airport and Jeff would just look at random strangers, ruin their day, and then go sit down and finish his coffee.
1: As absurd as it sounds, it did, yes.
0: Vic, it wasn't coffee. (laughs) This is is (laughs) many years ago. uh, Before sobriety. But you have to strategically have the table like right under the the, the board. So they're coming at you and they kind of have eye contact with you. And then you have eye contact and you go, oh, boom. Just like I did on the call. Terminal two, that brand new. Have you been in Gordia lately, Vic? Yeah, it was, was there yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Beautiful. I cannot yeah. believe the air conditioners overheated because it's a new terminal. Shut down.
1: Wait, but I I'm supposed to fly to, to <laughs> Bozier City Vic. later today. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> <Look> <laughs> at Vic. Oh, Vic. Uh, Je- so, so Jeff, it's looking so back now uh, it, of everything. It's ridiculous. Of everything that you've learned and accomplished to this point in your career, is there something that you look back or look forward to and say, I still haven't done that, or I'd still like to learn this facet of the business?
0: Well, and I have no interest. It's funny that I'm talking to you two guys. Uh, there were multiple times, uh, okay, I'll just give you a quick TNA setting. We're in my house. We used to do creative here. Uh, there was Dutch and Vince. That we're kind of running point, but Jeremy Borash, Mike Tanay. We, we had a revolving Spartan over there. But there were oftentimes Tanay would go, hey, this is a really good spot in this segment coming up. You're not on this show why don't you come join me at color commentary and you can help narrate this story. Cause you got it in your brain. I'm hearing all that. And I'd say, hell no, there's one thing or two things I can't do play by play and color commentary. I have no desire to do that. Those are two roles. I'll leave it to you guys, but you know, I, I still, so back, back to the original question, you, you say, I still have not Here's what I believe that drives me to, to this day and why I'm so excited to be in the live event department is because promoting a show in 2022, I believe, I don't want to say radically, but it is different than it was even in 2019. So the presentation and the, the marketing and I don't have to tell you guys, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, our good buddies at TikTok, all of that, those are our touch points to our audience. So marketing in that vein and then the traditional radio and TV, and then you know the overall marketing of of any live event is Raw and SmackDown every Monday and Friday. So just uh, the presentation and the marketing and what drives live events, I, I don't want to say it's 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 brand new, but you you ask what kind of excites me, what is something I, I want to do promoting a show today is different than it was 2019, and so I'm I'm highly energized to uh, get in there, roll up my sleeves, and and. Uh, keep on keeping on and try different things and be innovative. And at the end of the day, like all of us create more revenue for WWE.
2: You mentioned TikTok, Twitter, and is it harder now with all those forms to keep the audience engaged to, to keep fans interacting because there are so many different platforms that you're
0: trying to hit. So, you know, you you hear of issues and hotspots and, is it trouble? This and that. I think there's a lot more opportunity. It's figuring that out. I think uh, a a wave of live event marketing and promotion and engagement, that all important word engagement, I think gamifying live events is on the horizon in a new cool way. Uh, I'm excited to kind of dig into that, but gamifying live events and kind of looking at it from a different perspective, but also say that you know, years ago, if you didn't advertise on radio and certainly you had to have the TV and the TV spots, all that, you weren't going to draw. Nowadays, I mean, we don't tell you guys, y'all, we're all, we're scrolling through our phones, yeah. whatever social media. So the impressions can be there. We have to have that emotional connection with the talent to drive sales. So it's, it's the basics are absolutely the same. It's how we arrive there. It's different.
1: I love having conversations like this because I'm learning just, just as you know, everybody listening, I'm sure is learning. You're in trouble. It's our our goal here on ATB to make the most educated sports entertainment fans in the world. So thank you, Jeff, for helping with that. Before we let you go, I have to ask you have a venture that has nothing to do with the world of professional wrestling. That is very, very interesting to Vic and myself.
0: Uh, uh, Wait, hold on. Vic, are you a baseball guy? Sorry.
2: Yeah. my, my, my whole start was in major league baseball. We used to talk about that when we'd come up to the, to the game.
1: I knew he didn't pay any attention to your videos, Vic. (laughs)
0: Look, he's out. Hey, (laughs) have fun going to LaGuardia. There's no air conditioning in the terminal. (laughs) Going to want to rebook that one, Vic. My (laughs)
1: flight
0: got canceled. Talk to me about this new
1: venture. You are, you are involved in the, the game of baseball these days.
0: I, you know what? How did I not think it was going to be a layup? And you got your shirt on, which I have no idea what it is, but it's pirate yeah, color. nobody so. does. It, is, it is
1: pirate. It. This is actually a Stone Cold shirt uh, that we sold in Pittsburgh at our live event. See, you should know this. When, this is the Pittsburgh exclusive Yinzer 316 that gotcha. was available only during the Monday Night Raw in Pittsburgh pre-WrestleMania.
0: So, funny deal that got canceled right at COVID. That, that 316 day? Yes, it was supposed to be in Pittsburgh. Yep. Massive sales were going. I mean, they. He was. Un, uh, you know. Anyway, um, the baseball deal. All right, guys, we could do a whole. I. I'd love to turn the tables and pick y'all's brain, but do you guys know about? You heard of the Savannah Bananas? Oh yes,
1: my son is actually a huge fan of the Savannah Bananas. He follows them on social media because it's so unique. So
0: people that don't like what? What the hell is Jeff talking about? Savannah Bananas are, are essentially and Corey. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really the Harlem Globetrotters playing baseball it, because they, 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 they do candidly. They do some things that like if, if a fan catches a pop ball, a foul ball, it could be an out. I mean, they do some things that aren't tried and true to the
1: right. Right. They're sort of reimagining baseball,
0: non-traditional aspects of the game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're not that, but what, uh, you know, what the heck is a hall of fame professional wrestler doing with the minor league baseball team? And I like to respond exactly what you think, uh, bringing (laughs) entertainment, uh, to that. But Jamie tools, my partner, um, he is a lifer 25 year executive, uh, in minor league baseball. He's run clubs. I mean, Chicago, St. Louis, all the major organizations. He just came from South Florida. Uh, but, love this. He was actually listening to my world uh, during the pandemic. And we'd been buddies for five years, four or five years, but he started listening on the kind of the startup of TNA, those episodes, and something just kind of struck him. He's like, hey, I want to see if Jeff may or may not be interested in this. So he reached out. We had multiple conversations. Minor League Baseball, as you guys know, went from about 180 teams. They're down to about 120. You all know that? I was not aware of that, no. Yeah, so that minor league clubs went from about 180 to 120. They're probably going to go to 90. Long story short, Major League Baseball wants to own it all and control it all, but they also see that a kid that goes to an SEC school or anyway, goes to college, they're in a lot better hands. They don't have to pay them. They don't have to get them ready and they're in much better facilities. So a lot more kids are going in to college and they're encouraging them and then they get them out of that. Used to use oh, okay. a 17-year-old kid. So anyway, minor league baseball is radically constricting. So what we are, we're called a woodbat league. All of our kids are college kids. Uh their coaches in their program say, go play for the summer. So we give them 60 games. And so that's the that, that's the system we're in. And our kids are all college kids that want to get drafted. And for us on the promotion side, we've got Jerry Lawler. We got Road Dog, We've got uh, a NASCAR guy, all kind of traditional minor league um, promotion. Bernie Sadler. Would that be your NASCAR guy? Hermie Sadler? Rusty Wallace. He's in Oh, that. Rusty Wallace. Yeah. Okay. Rusty, my bad. Kenny Wallace, younger brother. But anyway, just doing the traditional minor league deals, but with a flair, we had the guy that got shot out of a cannon the other night that landed on home plate. He would literally gets shot out of a cannon in center field. And lands on home plate in this net. But anyway, we do the traditional kind of crazy promotions, and we're gonna get bigger and broader and all that. But the core of the game, which we all like and it's really resonated in Springfield, Illinois, where the team is, and we've rebranded the team and it's it's really it's been a blast. It's taken off like gangbusters. Uh at the very core of it is our mission as far as on the field, we're gonna take these 32, 35 kids and get them ready to get drafted because our legacy is hey. We played for the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes, and now we're in this system or that system. So it, we we are, again, we're, we're a summer league of 60 games that are all college kids. Almost like NXT for baseball. Hey. Hey, look at that analogy. <laughs> How about that? We got a gate G7 in Manchester.
1: Uh, <laughs> Well, Jeff, I appreciate your time, man. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully we don't have to wait so long to uh, now that the world's back to normal, we'll That's run right. into each other a little more frequently, I hope. And
0: yes, uh, yeah, you'll be uh, seeing me, fellas. I'm glad
1: I finally got invited. Yeah, man. I enjoy I enjoy picking your brain. This is fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun.
2: I've been saying it for like six solid months, and Corey would just say, like, ah, no, 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 no. Your ideas are bad, Vic.
1: Oh, is that true? That's very oh, true. Oh, I'm gonna go. let you in on a little secret, Jeff. Vic Joseph is a liar. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's all why right. I fit in so well but he's sometimes. your liar he's, he's your
1: my liar. liar he that's exactly right he, he's my roadie
0: <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's a backhanded compliment that's a deep cut <laughs> no, this is a lot of fun I want to do this again good you're, you're always welcome
1: hell Vic take next week off all right next, <laughs> hey Vic you know you know the podcast we do on Wednesdays in the morning yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the one where you're a co-host we're pushing well that. next week next yeah. week on Wednesday in the morning something came up and we're going so to need to reschedule check your
0: travel documents so yeah, I'll t- I'll yeah check you my should TRS. probably
1: check yeah you, you might want to log off and i'll i'll send you a text when we're ready oh okay. next week right here after the bell Corey graves jeff jarrett Let's <laughs> we're do talking it. baseball
2: yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right jeff you thank you much. so much man thanks jeff
1: yeah man appreciate you having me on it's not often that we have a guest on that I just go, man, I don't want to, I don't want to hang up this zoom call. I want to continue right. to pick brains. And that's exactly what I could do with Jeff. One of the most brilliant minds that I, I've ever, you know, had the luxury of being friends with.
2: Yeah. He, he's amazing. And and I really meant what I said when I, he, he touched my career so early on still feeling the effects to this day.
1: No doubt. Gotta love him. Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett. Make sure you check out Jeff's my world podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's a very, very in-depth listen to many different facets of Jeff's illustrious career. Check it out. As for us, we're out of time. So make sure you're following us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph, WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so that you never miss an episode. And continue on our mission to enlighten and educate the fans of the WWE universe. You are better equipped for your fandom when you listen to ATB. So lucky for you, we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. But seriously, if it gets canceled next week, you don't have to show up.